Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, Stranger at the Pentagon, the remarkable story of a benevolent E.T. by the name of Valiant Thor, who supposedly took up residence at the Pentagon in the 1950s. He says, I have to come over, I have to show you something. So he brings all the photos over. And he says, these are space people. They are not from here. And he said, why do you say that, Augie? And he said, well, that man right there, when he looked at me, I felt him look right through to my soul. And I knew he knew everything about me, even stuff I didn't even know about my own soul. This podcast is brought to you by Family Bunker Designs. If you believe things are headed in a scary direction these days, then you'll want to listen to this message. Four years ago, John Hartman, a retired military man and certified disaster and survival expert, created the ultimate solution to keep his family safe from danger. He built a family survival bunker. With the advice of experts, he decided to share what he learned and publish the ultimate guide to family bunker construction. His designs are highly affordable, yet your family bunker will be safe, well-hidden, and strong enough to withstand almost any disaster or terrorist attack. These days, with so many threats out there, a safe hideout is essential for security. And right now, when you order the Family Bunker Guide, you'll get three bonus survival guides absolutely free. Don't put it off. Get this life-saving information now. Learn more at clearbroadcast.com. That's clearbroadcast.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Well, it's Friday, and as promised, every Friday I'm going to be announcing the winner of the new contest I recently launched, and here's what you need to do. Subscribe to Conspiracy Unlimited, and then rate and review it. And then grab a screenshot of that, and then email it to me at richardserrett1 at gmail.com. Richardserrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, the numeral one at gmail.com. And I'll draw a name every Friday from that week's pile of emails. 
So here we go. And I'm getting a terrific response uh, to this, so thank you all. I've piled all of the emails into a, uh, a plastic jar here, which previously contained uh, Cheetos or cheese puffs or something from Costco. My kids love them. The only problem is... After eating a couple of dozen, their fingers are completely orange and they look like they smoke five packs a day. (laughs) They're 11, so I limit them to two packs a day. Don't worry, they roll their own so they don't blow their entire allowance on smokes. Just kidding. They don't get an allowance. All right, enough nonsense. Here we go. And this week's winner is... Andrew McAllister of Colorado. And uh, congratulations, Andrew. I'll be sending him a, a CD of Strange Planet Volume 1, and that'll go into the uh, the post in the next couple of days. All right. Next Friday, we'll do it all over again. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Conspiracy Unlimited. Grab a screenshot, then email it to me at richardserrett one at gmail.com. Good luck. About 50 years ago, Dr. Frank E. Stranges wrote a book called Stranger at the Pentagon, supposedly a true story detailing how a benevolent E.T. by the name of Valiant Thor, who happened to be from Venus and had an IQ of about 1,200, so he lands in Virginia and then takes up residence at the Pentagon in the late 1950s. You can actually see photographs of this E.T., Valiant Thor, online. Now, Stranges goes on to describe how he was invited to the Pentagon to meet Thor after he was approached by a U.S. intelligence officer who came to hear him speak. Stranges would speak regularly at churches and and, and different places about UFOs and E.T.s. And uh, supposedly, Valiant Thor got wind of this and wanted to meet Frank Stranges, so he dispatched an intelligence officer to find him and bring him back to the Pentagon. Fast forward a half century, and a Hollywood casting director who had befriended Stranges decides to make a short film of this book. And the film won several film festival awards, and now there's talk of a feature, uh, feature-length version. Craig Campobasso was fresh out of a high school when he spent four years on Frank Herbert's epic feature film, Dune. The father and daughter producing team, Dino and Rafaela De Laurentiis, and director David Lynch were Craig's first mentors in the business of filmmaking. Rafaela later hired him as a casting director on the popular Christmas movie, Prancer, starring Sam Elliott. After that, he apprenticed as a casting associate on Steven Spielberg's television show, Amazing Stories for NBC. Craig Campobasso, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm great. How you doing? Very well. Thank you. What a delight to talk to you. And uh, again, you what is the status of uh, now the short film Stranger at the Pentagon, which won all sorts of awards, the Burbank International Film Festival, another one in Houston a few years ago. Right. Uh, now there are plans for a, a full length feature version. The fans are demanding this. Where are we at with this, Craig? Well, we're setting it up right now. Everything is ready to rock and roll. And uh, so, uh, you know, setting up big movies because, you know, the budget of this is $20 million plus uh, because we will have a, uh, a wonderful visual feast uh, with CGI because we will be... 
uh, on other planets, uh, on a giant mothership. Uh, we will also be in the Victor class saucers, which are 300 feet in diameter. Each one holds uh, up to uh, 200 uh, crew members. Um, and they're double-deckered uh, as well. They're two-tiered. And then uh, we have a giant starship. So there's going to be a lot of visual effects. So we'll be, uh, we'll be in Washington a lot at the <laughs> White House and the Pentagon and, uh, and up in the cosmos. So it'll be kind of, uh, you know, so we get a little bit of both worlds and what, what happens up there as, and what's happening down here during that time frame of 57 to 60. Right, right. Let's talk a little yeah. bit about Frank Ernest uh, Strangest. Uh, when, sure. when did you read that book? Uh, when, when did it first come to your attention? <clears throat> well, it, it came out in 1967. Hmm. Uh, and there were updated versions of it. I believe there were three. I read the third updated version in the 80s. Um, and the thing that fascinated me most is that there were actual photographs of this created being named Valiant Thor, his vice commander, and another crew member, a female named Jill, uh, in the book. And it just resonated with me, and I would, uh, you know, from time to time pick up the book and just look at the pictures and, uh, you know, reread it and that kind of thing. But the last time I had reread it was somewhere in the 80s. I met uh, Dr. Frank in um, it's either the end of 2001 or beginning of 2002, and uh, I thought it was just going to be a fan lunch. Um, uh, my casting partner at the time, I cast movies for a living and TV. Uh, she uh, had two friends, and um, unbeknownst to me, they were friends with Dr. Frank. And lo and behold, the uh, the following week, I was sitting having lunch with him, and uh, uh, and I thought, you know, that was going to be it. But we ended up um, becoming uh, friends, and uh, through. A course of events, uh, I guess he had told me there were many stops and starts to get the film made over the years. And uh, he, somebody had uh, just recently had called him and wanted to make it into a film. And he asked me to go to the meeting with him since I'd been in the business for a long time. Well, that didn't work out. And um, just through the set of circumstances, I said, well, let's just sit down and, you know, you just tell me uh, all your adventures over all these years with them and uh, knowing this this being Valiant Thor and we'll, we'll see what we can put together. So, so we did that for several years, put a script together and, um, you know, worked on it uh, over the years. Dr. Frank passed away and 2018 no 2008 right uh in november um which was very fast and very uh shocking to all of us so i just shelved it um anyway uh several years after that i just woke up one morning i you know uh in working in the film business in the old days you would go and you would pitch your ideas um, in the case of George Lucas and Star Wars, he had to actually have 
a airbrush artist create the worlds uh, <laughs> back in back in the seventies. Um, today, what you do is you go and you make a short film, and you you show investors uh, the potential of the film. Um, I was one of the casting directors on another film called Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Uh, with Jude Law and Angelina Jolie and mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. And uh, that film was actually an independent film that was made into a short film first and got its financing. Ah. Uh, and the same with the Saw movies as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, uh, Lee Wynell and James Wan, their manager, Stacey Testro, gave them twenty five grand to uh, go make a short film, and she went off and sold it, and the rest is history. So, by the way, you can watch both those short films on YouTube. Just type in uh, Saw short film or uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow short film. Well, we're getting uh, an, an education here on, on how Hollywood yeah. operates these days. I had no idea that's how yeah. it was done. Oh, yeah, well, and you. so I woke up one morning and said, well, I'm going to make a short film about it. And, uh, you know, I, I know I've worked with so many people in the business and, you know, called in favors and the whole thing. What I didn't realize was, um, Richard, was when I was uh, when I was doing it, that lots of people started finding out that I was doing it. And, and I realized that there was a huge fan base for mm. Stranger at the Pentagon and the story, because it's a positive story and it's one where where this uh, uh, this being from somewhere else, this created being, or what I call an angel in human form, came to actually help humanity, and um, uh, you know, and was the guest of our government for a three-year period. So, but uh, you know, so I never intended to show it. Uh, the Burbank Film Festival found out about it and uh, wanted to see it. They made it an official selection. Um, and then we won Best sci- Sci-Fi Short that year. And then, uh, uh, and it just kept on going. It went, you know, it, it, uh, I did a year tour around the United States going to different towns, uh, showing it, giving talks, um, you know, to audiences anywhere from 200 to 500. Um, and, uh, it, you know, people were really just uh, fascinated with the story. And then Ancient Aliens called. They did a whole story on it. So uh, uh, it's uh, in the ninth season. It aired last year called right. The Mysterious Nine, which was fantastic. With uh, my um, friend, the Honorable Paul Hellier, uh, who yes, was uh, also yes. involved. Um, yes, for those who, in that episode. For those who don't know the story, first of all, I just want to uh, uh, add one more point about Frankie Strange, Strangers and how unlikely a figure he was to have come forward with this story because he was an evangelical Christian. Uh, and I, I've right. had, I've had, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, not a very good one, but, and, and I'm you know, often conflicted by this topic. I'm trying to, I put it through my faith filter and try to make sense. How does it fit into the narrative and so forth? Um, but just explain how, how Frank, uh, Dr. Frank, as you affectionately refer to him, how this, how yeah. this story came to him, how this event came to him. Well, he he was unique in the things that he spoke about. One of his subjects, um, 
he was invited to many churches all over the United States. And uh, in December of 59, he was invited to a church in Washington, D.C., where he spoke for two weeks. And one particular evening, he spoke about UFOs in the Bible. So what, what he would do is he would talk about uh, Ezekiel. He would talk about uh, the Georgia Damsky case. He had a board where he uh, had the photographs of the uh, um, uh, Venusian craft that uh, Georgia Damsky had photographed as well. And interestingly enough, the year prior in 58, one of his good buddies was a UFO um, uh, ologist and a buff and a photographer and a former um, uh, uh, government uh, Air Force photographer. And he had the largest collection of UFO photographs in the world. So he was at Howard Menger's farm uh, during a UFO conference. And mm -hmm. if anybody doesn't know who Howard is, he was a major contactee as well right. with human extraterrestrials. So they were always there, and there was always a secret handshake of how he knew who the people were who were not from this world. So... On this particular occasion, August Roberts, the photographer, was there the day that Valiant Thor, his vice commander Don, and Jill were there, and he photographed them, and he's the one who photographed, uh, who took the photos that are all online. Right. So... The very next day, now this is all in New Jersey. This is in Highbridge, New Jersey. Dr. Frank is living in New Jersey at that time. August Robert, I believe, is also in Jersey. He calls Dr. Frank. Uh, he, he says, I have to come over. I have to show you something. So he brings all the photos over, and he says, these are space people. They are not from here. And he said, why do you say that, Augie? And he said, well, that man right there, when he looked at me, I felt him look right through to my soul. And I knew he knew everything about me, even stuff I didn't even know about my own soul. And, um, and he said, but the other thing that was unique about him is that he didn't have palm prints or fingerprints. And... Um, so Dr. Frank blew the, the, uh, the most famous photo of Valiant Thor sort of looking off to the side right, right. and would put it up on his board and then at the end of his, his talks would say, and he would tell a little bit about the story and he said, and this is an alleged photograph of someone from somewhere else. So on this night that he's giving this lecture in Washington, um, afterwards, at that time, he had a book out called Flying Saucerama, mm -hmm. which was a lot of the UFO stories and everything um, from back in the day, along with the photographs of craft from all over the world, um, which I'm sure Augie helped him with. So he was signing books, and a woman came up and flashed her Pentagon badge, and she said, um, 
she says, I have to talk to you. And he said, well, can, can it wait until I'm done? And she said, no, I have to talk to you. And she pointed to Thor's picture and she said, he wants to meet with you. Oh, boy. <laughs> and he went, you have my undivided attention. Uh, and I they, guess so. He went, he went to the pastor and they went into a back room and spoke. And so... Um, anyway, she, uh, she picked him up the following morning at 8 a.m. Uh, they went to the, um, uh, the, you know, went to the Pentagon. They had to go through two, um, through two stations where you showed your badge. And, uh, Dr. Frank said he was extremely nervous. Um, and she said, just do as I do. And she just opened her coat. Her badge was there. He walked by, opened his coat. He got through. And then he, you know, then there was one more of those checkpoints. And um, he was extremely nervous. And the same thing happened. So, um, so anyway, she took him to an unmarked door. She said, he's in there. <laughs> and she started to walk away. And, you know, he said, um, how am I going to get out of here? <laughs> You know, and she said the same way you came in. <laughs> so, <coughs> excuse me, he walked in, he walked in the room, there were, um, there were some, uh, I think like a major, a sergeant and something else, they were at desk on the far side of the room, never paid him any mind, he said, excuse me, excuse me, they never looked up at him, and as he closed the door, the the gentleman in the photograph came walking up and said, "Hello, Frank. How are you?" Mm. And he just like asked that. him, "What is it?" Just, <laughs> just like, like that. that. And he said, "What's your name?" Uh, and he said, "Valiant Thor." And then they sat down and and they spoke. Um, and he uh, he told him a little bit about you know his mission and um, that he would be leaving. Uh, in um, less than three months, he would be leaving on March 16th. And um, uh, he told Dr. Frank things about himself that he didn't even know that he confirmed with his parents later. Mm. Um, and he also let him examine his uh, uniform, uh, which weighed just ounces. I think it was six ounces, something right. like that. It's Excuse all in me, the Craig, what, what, what year is this now we're talking? This is December 1959. December 59. All right. Yeah. So he explains to them, to Dr. Frank, that he has allowed the government to do testing on his uh, uniform. Uh, at the time, they had a maser that couldn't do it. A uh, diamond drill couldn't cut through it. Acid wouldn't burn through it. Um, all of these things. And uh, anyway, uh, so that that finished. Uh, their meeting finished, and uh, he left uh, with no problems. And um, I believe on his way home... He was picked up by the FBI and brought in for questioning about how we got in. <laughs> I guess who we so. met with and blah, 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 which, you know, he told them the truth and they told him not to talk about the story. Um, and uh, anyway, of course, he did. And, <laughs> uh, you know, he was a part of that early 
group uh, where the contactees uh, were all involved. In fact, he was even involved with George Van Tassel. He used to, um, I went with Dr. Frank out many times to the Integratron. Right, right. And I had no idea that he used to MC all of those early events uh, there as well with all the contactees. So, um, anyway, who, who, who emceed those events at the Integratron? Valiant Dr. Thor? Frank. Oh, Dr. No, Frank Dr. did. Frank okay. Did. Yeah, right. Dr. Frank ah. did. Yeah. So, so anyway, because at a certain point, the Integratron re, uh, in 2005 and I think 2007, they, they redid the UFO space conventions, uh, that George held, and uh, I went with Dr. Frank, and we were both a part of it. So it was actually fun, and it was very educational because the early, uh, some of the early folks were there and gave us a great history of the early days, you know, when George lived uh, beneath Giant Rock. Right, right. So Valiant and Thor, uh, uh, at the time that he met doc, uh, Dr. Frank, he was about three had three months left in his mission but just quickly yeah. set up how he came uh to the pentagon well from uh the uh from what dr frank had told me that he came uh he came in ni- uh, march 16th 1957 it was a saturday morning at 8 a.m he the ship landed in a uh, agricultural field in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, so not a largely populated area. Um, there were a few people who who sighted it. Um, there, uh, there, the the first on the scene were two police officers. Um, and they came up, and uh, when they we came up and. Uh, parked the car, you know, they had their guns drawn with their both their doors open. Uh, and when uh, Valiant walked out of the ship, they just saw this angelic uh, uh, human being with this incredible energy, and they just knew that they weren't in danger. They just had this immense feeling overwhelm them, and they just stopped and started talking to him. Um, and, uh, anyway, they brought him, they called ahead, they brought him to the Pentagon. Uh, everyone was called in. And then later that, uh, day he was brought by the underground train to the white house mm. where he met with, um, Eisenhower and Nixon. Now, um, I also believe, um, uh, that I'm sure that there was some forewarning that he was coming as well. So okay, uh, you and, know, and presumably, uh, and presumably from Venus, correct? From Venus, yes. They they live on the interior of Venus. Um, imagine uh, the entire universe, all the planets. If you are an advanced race and you have unbelievably far advanced technologies they can they can take a slice of of like paper in an energy form and they can compress floors into anything uh inside um inside planets 
and make them as tall or as large as they want. And they also have a technology that where everything looks infinite in whatever environment you're in. Mm. It can contract and expand. So, so they actually live on floors that have synchrotron skies. So when you're there and you're in an outdoor setting, you're actually, it is actually like you are outdoors. Uh, set to perfect temperature. Some skies are are left um, in daylight. Some are the synchrotron where it goes day into night. Um, and so, so uh, they they live on the interior of the planets. And actually, if you think about it, they control the resonation fields. And this is how they all stay looking like they're in their thirties. And they have very long lifespans. Valiant Thor is an immortal, so um, he would never he would never die. Right, and his, he can choose to he can choose to leave his form and create a different form if he wanted to. Right, and his but, stated uh, mission uh, was what? His stated mission uh, was to come here to uh, talk to uh, government leaders about uh, atomics. And, um, you know, what they were getting themselves into, not only with how it was infecting um, the earth and, of course, killing, you know, lots of people, but um, the effects of it to, to the planet and the effects of it uh, rippling out into the universe and affecting other worlds and other interdimensional worlds as well. Mm. So... Um, so that was part of it, but it was also to help um, to eliminate sickness, disease, uh, poverty, how to prolong life. And uh, basically, um, it was to help to raise this planet up into a place where it will be able to join with the universal society. That's why, you know, everybody says, well, why don't they just come and land where they're all extremely evolved and they're helping us catch up now uh was dr frank at all given his 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 faith his religious background was he at all suspicious of uh uh, valiant thor or what or did valiant thor win him over immediately with this you know this radiant uh this aura that he seemed to have what was strange's first impression of Valiant Thor? He never mentioned anything to me that he was suspicious at all. Um, I have met uh, several other people who have met Valiant Thor. Uh, Two are the ones that introduced me to Dr. Frank and two other ladies who were teenagers at the time when he was here and uh, who are separate from Dr. Frank, ones whose father was in the military. Um, and these two ladies said something, and they don't know each other, but they both said something to me that was exact from what everybody, everybody else said the same thing. When he looked at you, you, you felt him looking right through you. You felt this aura of peace you felt this unbelievable, unconditional love emanating from him, um, and you knew that he was that he was some somebody 
that that could help this world and that actually was here to help. But these two ladies also said that he had a pheromone that like they had never smelled before. Hmm. It was heavenly, they both said. Uh, which I thought was very interesting. So um, I myself have not met Valiant Thor or his crew. People ask me that all the time. Um, but uh, I'm sure there are many others in the world who have. I, I just, you know, have, uh, I think, the longest investigated the story just to find um, what other people know, um, trying to find proof of different things. I'm sure it, look, if there is a being like Valiant Thor staying at the, at the White House and the Pentagon, surely people took pictures. Undoubtedly, <laughs> undoubtedly. Right. <laughs> Eisen, Eisenhower, uh, President Eisenhower, allegedly met, I believe, 1954 uh, at uh, the Edwards Air Force Base with a contingent of, of aliens. And I, I believe the it is rumored that the archbishop, one of the archbishops, maybe of the diocese in Los Angeles, also in attendance. Right. Uh, what? Was that perhaps where they were? They had made arrangements for Valiant Thor, uh, almost like a, uh, I don't know, a an exchange program or something. Is 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 that perhaps when when the plans were made to have Valiant Thor come to the Pentagon? That I don't know. I've not I've not heard that. Um, so I can't be uh, I can't be certain, but I I. I have heard about him meeting with other beings at Edwards as well, um, but to what extent or if he had met them many times, um, and I can't remember his first name, but there's a gentleman named McElroy, uh, so if you type McElroy and Eisenhower into YouTube, uh, McElroy will pop up, and he will, he, he, um, he had seen, I believe, and read papers on Eisenhower's desk of him meeting with extraterrestrials. Hmm. Um, and I forget what government position he was in. Um, so, uh, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y, McElroy, I can't remember the first name, so... Uh, but there's, I mean, there's lots of military people that have, you know, come forward and, um, you know, that, but, uh, you know, back in the early days, it was all about, um, it was all about the human, um, extraterrestrials and, uh, you know, and then we started getting more into the abduction scenarios and stuff much later on. Right. So, uh, you know, also did they come with a forewarning of that as well? So, in other words, we're dealing with a number of different um, alien civilizations here, some good, some bad. The abduction phenomenon is is associated with the greys primarily. Uh, right. And, and, and so did Valiant Thor... Um, I mean, after he completed his mission at the Pentagon, first of all, did he was he allowed off of the the grounds? Did he, besides the White House and the Pentagon, did he <coughs> did he leave well, Washington? Did he 
they they tried to keep tabs on him, but um, he left. He came and went of his own free will. So um, he could um, uh, just catapult himself anywhere, basically, with a thought. Well, Craig, here's a thought. Why not consider RoboForm for your Internet security needs? Internet security experts keep telling us we should use a different password for every website. But let's face it, that could be a nightmare, keeping track of all of those passwords for online shopping and banking and email and and other essentials. Plus, while long, complicated passwords are more secure, they're so hard to remember. Well, here's a great solution. It's called RoboForm. You never need to remember or type a password ever again. Hallelujah. RoboForm gives you stronger passwords and faster logins, all with a single click. It keeps all your devices in sync. And when you shop online, RoboForm fills in those long address forms for you with, again, one simple click. It's available for Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android for personal or business use. And for peace of mind, RoboForm has around-the-clock support. It's one great solution for online security. Learn more at OneGreatSolution.com. That's OneGreatSolution.com. Richard has tiny talking insects living in his sock drawer. We have bags and we are living in Richard's sock drawer. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Hollywood director, casting director, Craig Campobasso is with us talking about the Frank E. Strangest book, Stranger at the Pentagon, the remarkable story of benevolent E.T. Valiant Thor. What kind of knowledge or technology did he he leave the Pentagon with, according to the account of Dr. Frank? Well, they they wanted um, they wanted uh, his his craft is different than than uh, the other crafts that they had already had in their possession. His is based on organics. Um, so unless you are the commander or someone who is authorized to fly the craft. Um, you can't fly it. You can't even get inside it. So they uh, they wanted uh, the blueprints to those Victor class saucers, um, and of course he would not give them any information uh, or any technologies of that sort. Um, I believe NASA was in the early stages, and I, I Dr. Frank said that he did work with them. Uh, to help them uh, with certain things, but only to a certain extent. Did you, uh, I mean, at what time did you sort of, at what point did you buy into this story? Was it after meeting Dr. Frank, or did you, after reading the book? Well, I, you know, there's there's other, I mean, you know, when I read the book, the story resonated with me. I, you know, I look at it like this. I, I work in the film business. I read a lot of stories, you know, and I I said, well, whether it's a true story or not, it's a positive story. And uh, so I just sort of left it at that. Um, uh, the um, Richard E. Bird's uh, nephew, Harley Bird. Right, Admiral Bird. 
Yes, uh, Admiral Byrd's nephew uh, was working for the was at the Honor Guard uh, in '56, and um, uh, Mr. Byrd's uh, family gave me the documents um, that showed Admiral Byrd writing to a Rear Admiral at the Pentagon to bring his nephew. Uh, into uh, the Department of Defense. Uh, he had recently been married, had a child, and um, needed a you know needed a paying job. Right. So um, he began uh, working there. They put him in special operations at Project Blue Book, mm-hmm. and uh, so he uh, was in contact with Valiant Thor, and he. Uh, or the years became friends with Dr. Frank, and he wrote the foreword also uh, to Stranger at the Pentagon, giving the case file number uh, and corroborating uh, the story. Now, uh, they also gave me his honorable discharge papers from the government, which proved yep. the dates that he was there at the Pentagon, uh, or the dates of Valiant Thor were there. And also that he worked under uh, special operations. Um, he was also given um, uh, another uh, award much later on by President Obama. Um, and he passed away uh, about five, four or five months after Dr. Frank. So he passed away in 2009. Right, right. Uh, early 2009. So, so what I've tried to do is collect as much of this kind of information to share it with the public, um, that type of stuff, and uh, and I just leave it in the public's hands to to say uh, if they if they want to believe the story, it's it's really entirely up to them. I'm just trying to find as many facts and uh, things that I can and share with what I've learned from Dr. Frank, from uh, the people that knew him, from other people that have approached me throughout the years to, uh, you know, to the uh, documents uh, that uh, uh, that I released uh, from uh, Harley Bird. Right. And uh, so, and then everybody can can make up their own assessment of of what it is, you know. Now, now I've I've had myself. Um, there is a vice commander on board Victor One whose name is Teal, and uh, she is a redheaded woman uh, with sort of white porcelain skin and very green eyes. And, um, uh, I, uh, boy, I, I don't remember the exact year, but it wasn't, but a few years after I met Dr. Frank, I, uh, I was, I, I was in bed for three days with the most horrendous, uh, stomach ache. And finally I had to call somebody to rush me to the doctor and uh, they tried giving me all kinds of stuff to settle my stomach, and finally they said, we're going to just rush you to the hospital. So they put me in an ambulance. Uh, I was in the hospital that night. They did x-rays, and they said I had a bowel obstruction. And um, anyway, I, uh, 
uh, they were going to have to operate on me the next morning. So uh, my only friend uh, who brought me, she stayed with me till about 11 o'clock that night, and uh, she went home. And I, I went to sleep, and I sort of woke up in a twilight, and I felt this woman, this vice commander, standing over me, mm-hmm. and I felt bubbles going through my intestines. Hmm. And I woke, I, I knew that when I would wake up in the morning, everything would be fine. But when I woke up in the morning, I was on my side, and I looked over, and sitting in a chair was Dr. Frank. Uh-huh. And he looked at me and smiled and he said, oh, Teal called me very early this morning and told me to get down here and tell you that she fixed you up last night. My word. And those are his exact words. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, so when the doctors came around, I said, I'm feeling much better. I think whatever this is has passed. They redid the x-rays. Everything was fine. And I walked out of the hospital at 2 o'clock that afternoon. So is this craft out there now? Is it, is it always there? It is. There, the, in, the, in the actual book, there are the locations um, uh, of the craft in and around the earth that monitor everything. You know, here's the thing. Their craft are what we would call the Uber of spacecraft because they can record every living thing on the planet, including um, life forms that are not like us or animals or plants, but rock and everything else. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and they can record the the life cycles, the, uh, you know, uh, when people pass away, how far advanced they are spiritually, um, if they're open, if they're not open, if they're negative, if they're positive, if they're a little of both. Um, all of that is recorded and stored. Um, now, his craft... Uh, in the early days was stationed in Henderson, Nevada, um, in a field. And um, I was told it was there because it had, it had the perfect uh, coordinates for taking off and landing. And also, uh, but sometime, I believe, in the 90s, they moved it to Lake Mead because I think they were building a lot of homes and things in Henderson. Right, right. Uh, it's quite grown there. Uh, so the actual coordinates are in the book. Um, I've gone there to those coordinates myself. And, you know, it's a big uh, open space. Now, of course, they, they, it's not going to be sitting there for people to see, but it, you know, they have the technology where they can blink it into a different dimension. They can blink it into a a pocket dimension that they create themselves. Right. Um, and they and they can be seeing us. And I think we're all smart enough to know that those technologies exist. Um, so. Uh, uh, so you know, all of that is in the book. By the way, people can, um, you know, if they want to learn more, the website strangeratthepentagon.com. So a lot of these things are on there. Right, strangeratthepentagon.com. Uh, uh, yeah. No doubt you've you've heard about the, uh, the, the Black Knight satellite that's supposed to be in this near polar orbit, and it's been up there for thousands of years, and no one can seem to get a, a a real lock on what this thing is, but it's immense and it's 
it's it's in an orbit it's not decaying so something must be powering it and uh, there's all sorts of theories as to what this black night satellite might be i'm wondering if there might be a connection uh could it be one of these victor craft what are your thoughts on that i i don't know i i do know that they wouldn't make any craft black um, so I don't think it would have to do with them because they're very much into the vibrations of colors mm. and what they emanate. Um, for instance, even in the photographs of Elliot Thor, you'll notice he is wearing a white tie. Right. So, um, and Dr. Frank also said, now Dr. Frank always had, um, uh, cars and, and, you know, they have cars on Victor One as well and motorcycles and boats, uh, that are stored under so, uh, so they can get around as well. Uh, but all their cars, he, uh, Dr. Frank once told me, he said, um, that they would ne- they never buy, uh, black dark cars. Interesting. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think it would be them, but I've never heard of that. So I'm going to start asking around the people oh, I know yes. the they black, come up with. The Black Knight Satellite. You must look into this. Wow. It's fascinating. I will look into that, yeah. So, wow, that is fascinating. What, uh, after Eisenhower, um, have any of the presidents, Kennedy and Forward, had a need to know about... Valiant Thor and the uh, the Venusians. Well, I I you know I don't know the answer to that, but I do n- know from scuttlebutt that I've heard is that Kennedy definitely knew about him and probably was interacting with him. Um, we know that Nixon would have because Nixon was there. Right. There's uh, that, of course, during, that f- the, the famous right. story of Nixon taking his golfing buddy Jackie Gleason to an Air Force yes. base in Florida to see alien bodies. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Is that true, do you think? It, I actually believe that that would be true. Yes, I would... Um, uh, really bet on it. And you know, uh, what's interesting is Jackie Gleason's son, mm-hmm. I believe, is, I can't remember him, but remember in The Exorcist, the dark-haired priest? Yes, yes. That's his father, and his son is Jason Patrick, the actor. Ah, okay, I so didn't Jason know that. Patrick, Jackie Gleason, is... Jason Patrick's grandfather. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay. Isn't that interesting? That's yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Well, that's fascinating. So uh, I have always hoped that someday I would meet Jason Patrick. That way I could, you know, ask him about what, what he knows, you know, because I've I've talked to lots of people in the business, famous and, uh, you know, behind the scenes and all of that. And there's a lot of people who have uh, had sightings, experiences themselves. Um, some, uh, some who believe, some who are afraid. Um, and it, it's interesting just to sort of get a climate of uh, what, you know, what people uh, think and um, believe, especially when it's not even in their realm of uh, consciousness. 
right? Right, right. So, uh, because, you know, pretty much a lot of people don't know about a lot of stuff that we're talking about. And they don't, unless they stumble on a show or, you know, they, and they might, uh, um, of course, not believe it because they've never, they've never, they don't know how far people have gone into and researched and have proof and uh, all types of things like that. And, you know, I think we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg of all the proof that's going to start falling well, from the sky. Speaking of so, which, I, I wanted to ask you about disclosure and, and, and get your a quick take on this storm, firestorm uh, after the New York Times blew the lid off this um, Defense Department's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program and this whistleblower uh, military intelligence official that came forward, Luis Elizondo. And, and of course, then there was the videotape of this Navy uh, pilot who seemed to have locked in on his radar, these, these craft and so forth. Uh, just all of this coming at the end of December of 2017. I'm wondering, you know, are we being, is this kind of a slow leak? Are we being, uh, or a controlled uh-huh. disclosure? Are we being set up for full disclosure here, do you think? I think, I, uh, and again, this is just my opinion, I think, you know, here's the thing, if you put yourself in the government's shoes, the lie is not even the current or past administration's lie anymore. It goes way, way, way back to when the lies began and the cover-ups began. And uh, we can start, you know, that's around Roswell, and there were even craft before that that, that we didn't know about. So, um, so I believe that they know that this has to happen, and they want to come clean, and that they're going to start leaking these things. They'll probably be anywhere from 70 to 100 more things that are going to start being leaked out. But a lot of these photos, I mean, there are photos all over the Internet of craft that are uh, that are true craft that were photographed right, right. Uh, as well. So even just seeing the little thing that got leaked it's you know to people in the ufo field it's nothing to the world it's huge and that's what they have to do is they have to sort of gauge the temperature of the uh, of the united states people as they start to release a little more and a little more and you know interestingly enough stranger at the pentagon the the feature film will be help with a part of that disclosure because one of the reasons I really want to make it is because it is a positive story and it's not it's not to make anybody look bad not to make our government look bad but to heal those old things where they were stuck in these positions and and they 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 had to do what they had to do and we're living with the um after effects of it so if we can get in there heal it and then we start this wave of healing and then more information will come out and more information will come out and uh you know and then it'll be you know it'll be interesting uh i mean who knows i don't even know uh, i'm sure they've got some kind of timeline set up but um but you know there's just all these incredible people like steve bassett and everybody who's been working right Toward for so long. I mean, you know, Steve is like undyingly 
been a incredible workforce in in this field, and we all commend him. Um, tremendously for it. Well, who knows? Uh, things seem to be ramping up. Maybe this year or next will be the year. Before we we yeah. uh, we say goodbye, I got to ask you about your uh, your trilogy. This um uh, is it Tyron's dossier. How am I pronouncing that? Tyron or it's, Tyron? Uh, well, the the book trilogy is called The Autobiography of an Extraterrestrial uh, saga, and then each book uh, in the trilogy is subtitled. So, book one is "I Am Tehran," book two is uh, "Waking Tehran," and book three is "Tehran's Dossier." Right. And uh, so, this is also a big part of disclosure because it's it's um, it, it's letting all of the information about the unknown universe and how they are working to raise planet Earth up into universal society. So, yeah, so we get to learn about uh, all of their craft, how their organic craft work, how um, uh, everything is set up in their world, how they think. Uh, it, it goes on and on and on. And, it, and, of course, it goes into a great deal about Melchizedek and the teachings that come from Melchizedek and uh, the star seeds that incarnate and how the different tiers and levels help to raise consciousness uh, through each generation. Um, how was this information? How was this information imparted to you, Craig? I uh, to make it a short story um, uh, uh, is when I was twenty six. I was uh, I started having. Uh, major dreams with three very powerful master teachers and uh through uh throughout that um then i would uh, after a few months of seeing them night after night in my dreams i just felt this immense love uh and didn't understand it because i was totally asleep and uh, literally and uh then all of a sudden i would wake up in the dream and I, I would say, oh, this is real. I'm actually here with these beings. And then it would progress to where I would go through those same two steps. And then when I would open my eyes, they would be standing in their astral bodies in my room. So they put me through a lot of different spiritual tests and things like that. They woke up my cells uh, to the universe. Um, and uh, that's just a little tiny bit of the story. But after uh, a few years going through this process, uh, they had me write a book, and then uh, it was a 400-page book, and basically it was about my experiences with them and everything that I had learned. And then they said, well, now we're going, you know, what would you say if we told you you wrote that book for yourself? And I said, then I've learned a lot. And they said, now it's time to sit down and write the real book and do not censor anything uh, just keep writing until the writing stops. And so that's how the process of these books began. So, um, so I, I can't wait to, uh, um, to sit down and write because I want to know what happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, and are uh, any of these people that are communicating this information to you, are they in any way connected to Valiant Thor? Well, there were, yes. There Teal and um, another created being that's a part of um, 
Victor One, whose name is Yanaya, um, uh, they were, they also, I found out, had been working with me. Uh, Teal actually appeared to me um, in the early 90s through a meditation. A lot of times uh, in meditating, I get a click on the back of my neck, and then all of a sudden I would see their images vibrating in front of me. And she's um, the one so that cured I, you of your bowel obstruction. She is, yes, okay. and she's and she's the one uh, as well. So, so it's all interconnected, and um, I do believe that they were the ones that uh, connected me to Dr. Frank to, you know, to help bring that to life as well. So, um, and if people want to check it out, it's autobiography of on anet dot com. Uh, book four should be out in um, the spring. And uh, we will have book one's audio book up on Amazon uh, in early February. So I'm starting to do all the books uh, in audio book now, too. So. Autobiography of an ET dot com. Autobiography of an ET dot com. And That's right. uh, they can buy the soft cover or and soon there'll be uh, audio book versions. as well. Yeah. Yeah. They can buy they can buy. Uh, um, the trilogy in the Superfan special, if they want all three books, or they can buy hardcover or softcover uh, individually as well. I sign them for everybody if they buy them through the website. Uh, it's also available on Kindle. And, uh, and then all of Dr. Frank's books, uh, brand new. People want to get them there on StrangerAtThePentagon.com, as well as uh, we've got posters of Victor One and the Blueprints and the Starship and the movie poster. And actually, I've got about eight original book posters left. Wow. Uh, yeah, those are like major collector's items. I'll so see. they're the big giant ones. Yeah, so it's very cool. So Well, you, uh, you are carrying on. Uh, some pretty remarkable work, uh, Dr. Frank's work. I'm sure he's uh, looking down and very, very pleased with the work you're doing, Craig. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, people can, if they want to see everything that happened at the Burbank Film Festival, they can just go to my YouTube page. I put up a lot of the interviews with a lot of the people that were there. So, And they can watch a short film on the, uh, on the website, StrangerAtThePentagon.com. All right, and we'll uh, we look forward uh, to the uh, the full length feature film version of Stranger at the Pentagon. Any idea on on its ETA in theaters? Uh, I, me praying would say twenty twenty. All right. <laughs> Are you able to reveal any of the casting choices? Um. No, fair enough. No, but I there would be some. There would be some nice ones, though. There's some real nice ones in there, no doubt. Can't so, wait. And that's what I do for a living. So, uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Craig, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Richard. I really appreciate it too. Craig Campobasso, stranger at the Pentagon dot com, and autobiography of an et dot com. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, it's just about time to dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, then I'll make my way up to the kitchen and raid the refrigerator for a little pre-bedtime snack. And I want to tell you what's coming up on episode 20 of Conspiracy Unlimited. But first, it's a new year, and weight loss might, might be on your wish list. It certainly is on mine. 
Unfortunately, the commitment to lose the weight quickly fades, and the reason is that people don't have the right mindset. And that's the whole key. Getting thin and staying that way lies in our thought processes. And hypnotherapy can actually make all the difference. Now, clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Stephen Jones has created a set of five audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis. And they can help you reprogram your mind and replace bad habits with vibrant, positive new habits. And they can help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight loss hypnotherapy really works, and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out Weight Loss Hypnotherapy right now at SmartClickSavings.com. That's SmartClickSavings.com. Coming up on Episode 20 of Conspiracy Unlimited, a special remote viewing experiment with a man with x-ray eyes, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Until next time. I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>